You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. is the Unpacked Podcast, part of AcmePackingCompany.com. As you've probably already realized, I am not Zach Rapport coming to you from New Mexico. He is out this week, so it is me, Alex Patakis, in Brooklyn, New York, uh, joined also in Brooklyn, New York, in person, and live in living color, by a good friend of show, former ESPN Milwaukee uh, teammate of mine back in the day, and former podcast buddy, uh, way back in the day, right. Nick Bornheimer. How's it going? Um, it's going pretty well. How, how about you? Uh, better. Better than after week one, I would say. Um, still not feeling totally at ease. But are you ever with this Packers team over the course of the last, I don't know, since I can even remember? Not really. But we're good. Yeah, uh, we're good. Coming off of a win, a 27-10 to win over the Bears, in which the Bears just kind of proved that they are just garbage. Uh, that was kind of nice. It was also coming off a of vacation, right. a trip you also happened to be on. I don't know if you uh, made it through the game, to be quite frank. like I think towards the end of it, I was falling asleep. But I did feel like no matter what happened... Uh, the result was kind of already like written on the wall a little bit. I didn't. The Bears didn't have a comeback in them in that game. No, and despite the interesting play calls throughout the fourth quarter of just continuing to run over and over again and tear apart the Packers' defense, whether that's personnel or just missed tackling, um, it never really felt like it was going to get close. Even when it, you know, when they lingered and stuck around and. I think Collinsworth kept saying, "Oh, they're sticking around, you know. They're they're going to stick around." I'm like, "No, they're not. It's it's the same story over and over again." Yeah. And uh, you know, it's it's hard to anticipate a comeback when Justin Fields is um playing the way that he played. I mean, I guess it's not entirely his fault, but he's, you know, sub 100 passing yards. I think he had like 70 something yards on the game uh he threw the ball 11 times and <laughs> completed seven passes. So, yeah, that's that's not that's not exactly comeback material. So um, anyway, in the spirit of the Unpack Pod, um, with or without Zach, we would do our notable nuggets. So, um, you know, observations from the game could be big, could be small, could be anything, could be related to the broadcast, could be related to what you ate during the game, whatever the hell it is. Uh, you could tweet them at the Unpack Pod, as many people did following that game. Uh, and we will get to them coming up. But I will kick us off to show you how it's done here with your first appearance on the Unpacked Podcast. My notable nugget is that I have to admit, as a fan, it's taking me quite a bit to adjust to being a check-downy team, a team that I for so long thought was uh, 
you know, that type of team I thought was just like playing cheap football. I used to make fun of Tom Brady for it. He had no receivers. He was always throwing his freaking running backs and his tight ends. And the Packers are just that team now um, over the course of two weeks, 28 of 59 attempts. And it's only two games, but 28 of the 59 attempts uh, thrown by Aaron Rodgers this year have been a running backs or tight ends, which is interesting because he's still up amongst some of the leaders in the league in yards per attempt. I think he's like eighth or ninth in yards per attempt, a little bit over seven yards. Um, And I know it's really early to start going off of these numbers, but um, I mean, the Packers, like when you start thinking about targets on the team and who's going to be targeted frequently and what an overall Packers game plan is going to look like offensively, like downfield passing doesn't really seem like it's going to be part of it. And I find that to be incredibly notable because going back to the McCarthy years and even the force the ball to Devante years at the twilight of McCarthy before there was a real offensive uh, mastermind like LaFleur coming in, it was the exact opposite. Um, I'm not saying I don't like it, but it's it's a heck of an adjustment to what we're used to. I think Aaron Jones is probably going to lead this team in receptions this year. And I mean, unless, I mean, it'll be him or Lazard, unless something really different happens throughout the course of this year, Dobbs or Watson really kind of emerge. It is a it it's a weird position to to reconcile because it's boring. Like when you watch Josh Allen and Mahomes and these and Herbert, these guys forcing the ball downfield, it just is a it's a more exciting brand of football. Um, winning is always fun, and it doesn't really matter how you get there, but it is an actively boring way to watch a meticulous drive when it is three yards here, dunk here, and then just like a lot of running. And it's Dylan and and um, and AJ really just like splitting a lot of time in the backfield or sharing time in the backfield or you put or you put him out in the slot. It's I don't know. It it makes it it makes it a more boring product to watch. But hey, if it gets the win, I don't know if it's going to against the Bucks with that ferocious defense, but uh, we'll see. The The line is not where it should be, in my personal opinion. Oh, yeah. So I, I think it's still at one and a half. Uh, that's at, I checked at least on, on DraftKings. We, I think we use that as a reference point. They're not a sponsor, but they should be. Um, and uh, it was one and a half today. So you're saying it's way off because you believe that the Bucks should be way more favorite, I'm guessing? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's wild to think it's not four, four and a half. I mean, with the Bucks injuries and without Mike Evans, they could be their top three receivers could be out, and they're down to third string offensive linemen. So, I get it. Uh, but the Bucks always played the Packers really tough, and it's not like they've shown enough throughout the first two games to warrant being, you know, even close. The Bears are just they're miserable, and the Vikings team showed that it's not any type of you know, strong Super Bowl contender based on what the that what they put out in that Eagles game. So I I think it's not going to be well, I don't know. I don't think it's gonna be close this week, sadly. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess we could probably talk a little bit more about the Bucks coming up in a little bit, but I also agree. I I mean like a, a one and a half point line with the Bucks being at home when the Packers yeah, they're coming off of a nice win, but it was against a team that really—I mean, like—it's hard to really learn anything about the Packers after uh, after that game because they kind of just did what they were supposed to do. And you could argue that 
maybe they should have done a little bit more. Um, but they did have some costly turnovers that I think changed the what would have been maybe a more convincing scoreline. Um, what is your so you know with anything on on the table? Um, what do you pick for your uh, notable nugget before we get to that of the uh, the people on Twitter? I would say just the frustration with the Packers run defense. It seems to be the same thing year in and year out. Um, and you can, I, I alluded to it earlier, and you can talk about the personnel like late in the game. They're in positions where, you know, second and long, and you you have Devondre Campbell kind of roaming the middle of the field, and you bring an extra corner in like Rasul. And you're not thinking they're going to to run the ball, but they did because that's what was working, and they weren't able to push anything downfield. So um, it was just a lot of missed tackles. The the safeties don't seem to be making the tackles that they otherwise would. Devondre seems to have regressed a little bit. So I think it's going to with with Leonard Fournette kind of like cramming the ball down the Packers' throats. It's going to be a really big test this week. So I think run defense and just the linebackers and safeties, I feel like for the last five, 10 years, it's always the same position groups on that defense that need work. And the outside corners seem to be good and the pass rushers seem to be good, but the middle of the defense needs work. So I I don't see a ton of improvement there year over year ever. And that seems to be the case again this year. Yeah, well, I mean, last year, Campbell was like such a pleasant surprise, um, and he just hasn't looked as good. Again, it's only it's only two games, but um, between he and the safeties, I would say that you're right, that so far tackling seems to be a thing, and that I think the Packers' defenses of the past, maybe not even as much last year, uh, even though it was present, have just like consistently been poor tackling teams. Like, I don't know what that... Like, I don't know how that always comes to be the case um but it makes a huge fucking difference because like montgomery like take it like what was it i think it was a there was like a second or yeah it was like second maybe it was like 20 i mean it was like a second and very long and he ran for a first down i remember Tariko being like oh he's gonna run he's gonna get some back actually he's gonna get all of it whatever and i was like that's so fucking maddening i think it was after a preston smith sack as well where you're like all right good we can finally put a nail in this coffin and you just and that, I think that was one of the runs where uh, Devondre crashed or maybe Rashawn Gary crashed inside and then Rasul missed a tackle. And it was just like, it was just an easy little um, burst up the middle that resulted in 20 yards. These guys were just kind of leaping at his feet. It's just, a, it's a frustrating position to to have that def- the middle of the defense always kind of be there. So I don't know. Yeah, um, it it definitely is. I, it's I don't know. It makes me nervous because like it's you could get away with it against Justin Fields, um, but against Tom Brady you can't, right? Because second and twenty against Brady, um, well, one they're probably not going to run it because they trust him to actually throw the ball. But like if Fournette is ripping off you know eight to ten well, yards, the Bears now set the formula that you can because the Packers don't seem to have an an answer if they've got the wrong personnel group out there. It makes me mostly nervous because I feel like. Uh, to use a football cliche, like the Bucks will not struggle to stay ahead of the chains. So like, it's not going to be, you're not going to be in situations where you can really come after Brady. Cause it's like, 
you know, third and long and it's an obvious passing situation. Like they're going to, I feel like they're, they're well equipped to keep the Packers guessing. I don't want to turn this into like a doomsday thing already about, no, I know. about Sunday, but it does feel like, um, you know, Tom Brady, when asked to not have to do too much, even with a kind of weakened receiving core, um, should be able to handle this Packers defense. Um, unless they could, you know, generate some pressure early on without having to blitz him. And, you know, their secondary is is good. You know, Jair Alexander confirmed still very, very good. Confirmed worth $20 million a year. Yeah, totally. Um, Douglas makes a play here or there. Stokes, I feel like, is, you know, still solid. He's probably going to come on a little bit. But, um, yeah, definite, definite concerns going into the Tampa game. And one and a half feels... A little bit like a weird line to me. Uh, let's get to some other note nugs that people tweeted in at the Unpack Pod on Twitter. Uh, let's see. What have we got here? Um, ben Saylor says, Sammy Watkins can catch a football when it's thrown at him from a long distance. Hashtag note nugs. He made a couple of nice plays. Um, he's been solid, I guess. Solid. Uh, I He had three receptions, I think, on Sunday night. And... His, you know, average was skyrocketed by the 55-yarder. And he's been his, this thus far, it's been Randall Cobb and Sammy Watkins as his two most reliable targets, which is in a great position to be in for Rodgers. I guess if you don't include Aaron Jones. Um, he's been solid, and I, I wasn't looking for this to be the Sammy Watkins redemption tour to lead the wide receiving core, but I don't know. We have to take what we can get at this point. He's been all right. He's been fine. Yeah, I think Lazard will still be the leader. Uh, Cobb has made plays here and there, although he didn't practice today. I don't know if that's just like a veteran thing or if... if, They said illness. No, well, that's not good in in this day and age. Illness can mean a lot of things. Uh, John P. at John P. Nasky. Uh, says while the Bears put up a shit ton of rushing yards, and he uh, he clarifies one shit ton equals two thousand shit pounds. Uh, even if you throw out the two twenty-eight yard runs, the Packers defense isn't on par with Tampa yet. Lots of room for improvement needed, but the pass defense was pretty good. I I, I agree. He's kind of going along with everything we just said, but I also think you put no stock in the pass defense against Fields. <laughs> That's just kind of where we're at with him right now. Yeah, yeah, and I I do seem to like harken back to. Jair Alexander coming out of literally nowhere to make that interception at the end of the game. And I'm just like, okay, like I feel confident with Brady and limited receivers and our outside and and slot corners being able to do what they need to do. It's just a matter of like, can you generate pressure with four? Because I don't think they're going to blitz Brady. They haven't shown a lot of blitz packages this year. Um, It just doesn't seem like that's going to be the game plan. It's going to be a lot of making sure that you can do anything against the run so that they're not in second and manageables and Brady can like have his way with the defense. So forcing those long, those longer conversions and not letting the run game eat you up is going to be the key. Yeah. Um, uh, other note nugs moving on. I actually, Zach would probably know this, but he's not here. I don't, I don't know if we ever got clarification of the pronunciation of Jacob's last name. It's either Padilla or Padilla, and I think it's Padilla, which is is cool and more fun to say, but uh, at Jacob Padilla slash Jacob Padilla says, I'm enjoying Kevin King and his new role as Twitter hype man (laughs) for his boys during games. This is something I actually noticed during the game in my uh, jet-lagged fog. Um, 
because he popped up in my timeline and I'm like, who is, oh, wait, that's Kevin King. And he's tweeting nonstop during the Packer game with a lot of expletives, a lot of things about Aaron Rodgers still owning the Bears. Uh, I mean, he's literally tweeting play by play. Like I'm trying to go through some of his tweets now and a lot of them I can't even read because they're very dirty. Um, But yeah, uh, number 12, hashtag still own you with a goat emoji ball game uh, when he thought the game was over well before it was. Island called 23. So he's talking about his boy Jair Alexander. I literally was about to press tweet on. They're not even looking at 23. And that was right when they threw the interception uh, to Jair Alexander at the end of the game. So Kevin King is, I mean, I feel like the Packers want nothing to do with him anymore, but he's clearly still a Packer fan. Yeah. It, it does seem to be the case with a lot of forlorn Packers that just like to stick around the organization, even if it's via social media. Um, there's an intoxication with with the Packers, and people like to stick around. Well, it's also, I think part of it is they don't always move on to a new team right away because when the Packers get rid of you, maybe because of, like, an injury problem, they're generally right. You know, we've always talked, like, how often have they actually been wrong? Probably twice with two Hall of Fame players, Charles Woodson and, and Julius Peppers. Like, Kevin King is another guy who, like, couldn't stay healthy. He also underperformed. He also made a massive error in a massive spot for them. And he just couldn't find a new team. And now they're like, apparently he's like taking the year to get healthy and possibly coming back. But if he never played again, would you be shocked? Like BJ Raji never even played again. Remember? Like, it's just weird. Like, where do these guys go? <laughs> they're living in somewhere in a Schwabanon. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Signing autographs at a shop go, which, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I remember getting my Robert Brooks signed. I wish I could remember the name of his single. Um, or... <clears throat> But um, oh, like that was song? like he actually had a song. Oh, yeah. I think it was uh, some some former fashion of R and B. But it was in a Shopko parking lot, and that's where these guys will come out of the woodwork. Um, all right, a couple more quickly. Uh, Mikey Riggs, NYC, says Elton Jenkins has returned to salvage Aaron Rodgers' career. Um, having him at right tackle, even when he's not fully healthy, and I you know I read the athletic piece that. Uh, Matt Schneidman wrote about it and with all the quotes from Rogers from I think LaFleur was in there praising him you know saying that even on a game where he allowed like something like two or three pressures which is way more than usual for him he's still a huge upgrade and it enables them to put other guys you know bump other players into their natural positions and have guys on the bench so uh, him coming back is huge when Bakhtiari is coming back I have no freaking idea but like my confidence in Jenkins now actually returning to be to what he was pre-ACL is way higher than mine in Bakhtiari ever going back to what he was pre-ACL. Yeah. Well, Bakhtiari's on surgery number three, right? Um, and it's, it's, I don't know. It, it, makes it, it makes it tough to understand how anybody can take that much time off and return to the all-pro type of status that, that he was. Jenkins, on the other hand, returned a lot more quickly and looked good. I think he was probably 90, 85, 90%, which is so much better than what the alternative was. So I'm happy about that. Yeah. Um, all right. And then Chris Hill says, uh, at Hillsy 11, he says, wondering how much longer the Amari Rogers experience lasts. <laughs> it's why even take up the roster spot at this point? You don't need to eat a roster spot for a return man unless 
he's doing something more than coming in for the very last snap of the game to take a disgraceful uh, look while Rodgers takes a knee. Or I think it was even Jordan Love at that point. I can't remember. No, I think Rodgers took the knee at the end of this game. But what it, and, he, and, he, and he did a poor job returning as well. Yeah, I, I just have no faith in him like returning and I thought okay maybe he could work his way into the offense and honestly like the fact it would take it would take Cobb going down or if this illness turns into something more because there's nobody he doesn't fit a role it's usually big wide receivers on the outside and then like a shifty Cobb like or I guess Dobbs can kind of he's kind of like a hybrid between the two but he doesn't really fit a role unless he's taking some plays out of the backfield if AJ is like out on uh, Aaron Jones rather is out in the slot and AJ Dillon is the primary back but he doesn't really he doesn't really mesh with the offense yeah it's just not he's just surplus at this point and not even in a good way like he I mean he can't get on the field above a fairly aged Randall Cobb um you know I I, I the Packers have been running uh, two running back sets and motioning Aaron Jones out. And it's almost like I would rather have Aaron Jones as a slot option than I would Amari Rogers because they also, you know, are, are more than willing to play him and, and Dylan together um, in the run and pass game. So yeah, I, I just don't know what purpose and like, dude, at the end of the day, you can't get on the field and like, I I don't mean to be hard on Cobb. He's he's going to make a lot of key catches for this team this year, and so is Sammy Watkins. But both those guys are well past their prime. Um, so yeah, and also he makes weird decisions in on special teams. So I just I just don't get the value. Like if 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 he wasn't a liability on special teams, that'd be one thing. But uh, he certainly is. Um, anyway, um, thanks for tweeting your note nugs. We'll get to uh, them each and every week and if you uh if we didn't read it it's probably because it's something we had already talked about uh at some point or plan to talk about uh in the future so at at the unpack pod is where you end up tweeting those um all right so i I don't know how much more time we really need to spend on the bears game you know we're we're kind of like advancing forward now into later in the week um we touched on the bucks game already a little bit but in general um, I think the feeling going into that one is probably a game without that much downfield passing, probably a, a game between, you know, the two biggest names in the sport, uh, but like without them necessarily like shining the way they would if this matchup would have happened years ago. I always get bitter when these teams play because we really should. We were deprived, I think, at least twice of like a Rogers Brady Super Bowl when they both were really slinging it. And now it's just going to be like whose defense is able to like shut down the run a little bit more and, you know, whose running backs are going to be able to make a couple more plays. It's kind of, I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of shitty. Like, but it is going to be like the game of the week at 425 on a Sunday. Um, So I guess that's exciting. I think the, I think the over under right now is just north of 40 and my money's on the under. Like when would that ever happen between like these two guys? You know, I mean, it's just like it's amazing how that that has completely changed. And yet, I can't even say that there's somebody else in the conference that is more likely to make a Super Bowl than them. And and, and it's like, it, it, I don't know. It's just it's weird because it is partly because of them, but it's also like they're both now surrounded in systems that I think like help them age gracefully. And there's just no one else like around to f- step up like. 
this look at look at the NFC North right yeah. now, man. Like, what the hell? The Vikings just got owned by the Eagles. Like, I that made me feel kind of shitty about the Packers. But at the end of the day, I feel like maybe the Vikings would have like already played their best game week one against Green Bay. Yeah, well, I think the Eagles played man coverage against Kirk Cousins, and he just had nowhere to go, which is what Jair was upset about and made um, and, and and took voice to. Um, as Barry ran his traditional zone defense where I think it was it was almost in a position where if the players would have made the right decisions and not, you know, run into each other and let Justin Jefferson run for a thousand yards, it would have worked. But if you put your best player on their best player, you're going to have a better shot. And that's kind of just what the Eagles did. They looked at what the Packers did in terms of guarding Jefferson and Thielen and said, all right, we're going to take the exact opposite approach. So I don't have faith in the Packers. I mean, I guess I do have faith in the Packers adjusting to that later on in the season. They don't scare me. The Vikings are no legitimate threat. The Lions are fool's gold. It's cool to see them beat the commanders in um, like kind of like exciting fashion, and the Bears are awful. So the the NFC North is very much the Packers to lose. It's just going to be the same thing every single year it's what is going to get them over the hump and if they somehow miraculously do get over the hump I don't know how in the hell they beat a Bills team that looks like one of the best teams I've seen in a long time yeah so um on the Buccaneers front and on the frustrations defensively Packers wise like one thing I've always said on this pod that many people always say is the Packers are really good at getting beat by the obvious guy so like Justin Jefferson for instance like the Eagles probably figured out like Okay, if you could shut that guy down, there's probably not a lot else that Kirk Cousins could do. Um, the obvious guy in this game probably would have been Mike Evans, but he's not playing because his appeal was denied after he got into a scrap with uh, Lattimore, which is like one of the better rivalries, like player versus player in the sport right now. So he's out. Um, and so, like, who's the obvious guy then? Because, like, I can't come up with anyone other than Fournette, but that doesn't mean that Fournette's not just going to you know, eight yard, six yard at a time, just like make, make Sunday afternoon, like really crappy. Well, it would have been Godwin, but I don't know if he's going to play. It could be Julio Jones, who that has been the guy against the Packers defense many times in the past, but I don't know if he's going to play. Um, I don't know. What's the, what's their tight ends name? His name's escaping Cameron Brait. Oh yeah. (laughs) I don't know. It could be a Cameron Brait game. It's possible, and and I I mean the injuries and the absentees are definitely factoring the line as well. I mean Akeem Hicks is out, which is good news for the Packers' offensive line. Bad news for him; um, he tore his uh, plantar fascia. Is that how you say that? So okay, you tear that, but that's not plantar fasciitis. So plantar fasciitis, I'm guessing based on the 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 word that it means the inflammation of the plantar fascia. I don't know. We'll have to look this up because plantar fasciitis is something that I think is like, isn't that almost like a worse injury? Like it's like a lingering one that goes, doesn't really go away for a while. I don't, I don't know. The rehab is much worse when you tear your plantar fascia, which is what happened. All right. Well, anyway, um, chair doctors here. Yeah. Just like Aaron. Um, if he could do it, why can't we, uh, so yeah, so there are some good things like in terms of the injury front that are working for the Packers. Um, overall, you know, if, uh, if we're, if we're picking the game, um, I'm probably taking, taking the box to win and to cover. And that's just a little bit of a, you know, just still 
being scarred by the the ineptitude against the the Vikings in week one, which you know not not an easy game. I, I get it. And the Packers week one last season were also abysmal. They have a tendency to kind of do that and then just kind of snap things together and and get right. But at the end of the day, you're on the road. You're against Tom Brady, who does seem to always kind of find a way, and they always have some annoying ass guy step up in a big spot for them. And I don't know who in the Packers is necessarily going to do that right now. So I would probably be, uh, be taking the bucks in this one. Yeah. I mean, I already said, I think my guess is it's going to be a 14 point game. So, wow. Yeah. So you're, you're saying bucks in, uh, in, in convincing fashion. Yeah, I think so. All right. Well, um, I, I will just add in, it's not to say the Packers won't get right. Later on in the season, they just need to. Rogers needs to develop a little more trust in his receivers because you can see it very visibly on his face right now. He's not taking risks unless, like Sammy Watkins is peeling open wide open downfield. But it's all it's all checkdowns, and that's not going to beat this defense. You need to be able to take shots. So about the trust thing. Um... They have a lot of youth. I, I mean, I, I feel like with the way Dobbs performed in the preseason and through training camp, like, I don't know if we're, are we looping him into the lack of trust thing? Because I know Watson is there because he got the death stare after, you know, I don't know. Like, it, it, he he was a part of uh, who was really culpable. I don't know, but he was a part of that botched snap. They put him in motion a lot. The timing looks off. So, um, he's probably got some making up to do just from that perspective. Um Dobbs, I feel like, I don't know. It feels to me like they're like the, that the system is very much geared towards trying to get him the ball because they understand what he can do. But like, do you feel that Rogers trusts him or is it just kind of like, it's just knowing, it's just knowing where you are on the field. It's not, I don't think Rogers has a lack of trust in his ability to get open or his ability to catch the ball. But unlike how Randall Cobb can sit down in his zone or know when the back shoulder is coming. It just it, it, reps are required to, to get to that point with Rodgers. And when you don't invest in a more veteran receiver um, and you only have training cap reps together, it just is going to take time. So I think that'll develop throughout the season. But there was one play where Rodgers tried to hit him with a back shoulder and, and Dobbs kind of ran through the route a little bit more than Rodgers would have liked. And he got hit with a death glare. I don't know if that's necessarily Dobbs' fault because he probably ran the route he was supposed to, but he didn't make the um, in-the-moment correction that um, you know a, a receiver that was more veteran would have done. So it's it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't type of situation with, with Rodgers. And you'll never win with him because he'll just be pissy no matter what. So Yeah, that's pretty true. Or even even if there's some truth to the... Whatever you did, uh, well, he's you know he's a denier of truth and fact, so it's it's yeah, there really is no winning with those types of people because um, everything is is to be debated, and he's never wrong, and he's always the smartest. So um, anyway, uh, I guess the hope a Packers win would look like uh, Aaron Jones getting the better of a pretty solid linebacking core for the Bucks, uh, who also have a very good safety uh, who made a ton of plays against the, the same, like the spine of their defense is very good. Like Akeem Hicks is out. I get it. 
but um, the spine of the Bucks defense is really good. So I, I think that Aaron Jones, the fact how much he could be mitigated, I feel like is what is concerning me um, because I feel like given everything we just said about the receivers and what's going on in the perimeter right now, um, the way to win the game is to run the ball effectively, but also just to kind of like force feed Aaron Jones the ball in space when possible. And at least, and I, I would admit I did not watch much Bucks football the first two weeks this year, but the past two years, like sideline to sideline in terms of, you know, their linebacking core has been a massive strength and one of the reasons they went to the Super Bowl um, and won a Super Bowl. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> Shaq Barrett's going to get home. Um, so they have to try to double him as much as possible. Um, and just to run right into Vita Vea is not going to be the the way that you're going to find success in this game. Um, you need to like scheme guys open and the dink and dunk is probably going to be your best bet until you can find a way to take a shot. But they picked off Jameis Winston three times, which isn't really saying much because it's really easy to pick off Jameis Winston. But they had six sacks last week, and the Saints' offensive line is like, they're not the best, but they're not the worst. And they're they're comparable to what Green Bay has, at least at this state with the injuries. So um, Rodgers isn't going to hold on to the ball the same way Winston will, but he's not going to have a ton of time. It's just going to be a lot of um, trying to LaFleur magic scheme things open and, and, and try to try to hit on something if it if it shows up later on in the game. There was a time that you could not blitz Aaron Rodgers at all. I, I think that time is unfortunately passed, but I would love to see like throughout the course of the season, defenses who do come after him with more than four, how that ends up playing out. Um, also, uh, my mistake for calling uh, Jamel Dean a, a safety I think he is technically categorized as a corner, um, but he's did he have two or three interceptions? Uh, yeah, yeah, against too. against Winston. Uh, so he had a he had a nice time. Um, okay, uh, well, if if unless you've got anything other anything else to add, major on 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 this game, we can uh, we could take a step back, relax, unwind, step into the spa, and get our. Uh, our poetry going with uh, with haikus because I did tell Zach that I would I would try to do a haiku in in his absence. Um, so anything else to add on this upcoming Buccaneers matchup? I feel like I brought a lot of negativity to this conversation. So um, I will say that this team has the potential to be good, and I wouldn't be outright shocked if the Packers were to win I just a lot of things would have to come together and I haven't seen it come together just yet especially with the run like just like we talked about the run defense and the lack of weapons that Rodgers has but if if it's going to come down to scheme so I, I don't know I I like the team enough in this game I just I feel like early on in this season it's they haven't figured it out yet they don't have the formula yeah, I'm not thrilled that this game is week three. I think if it were week ten, week twelve, you know, like later in the season, I agree. I agree with that. I think that their, I think their offense is going to like grow into itself, and it's not a new scheme or anything, but it's a lot of new players, not a lot of like really inexperienced players in major, major spots. Um, but that being said, there's an exciting element to that because we do get to watch, um, you know, players like Dobbs, Watson, 
um, you know, try to flourish in, in these roles and even a younger player like Dylan in an increased role in the, in the backfield. Although a bit of a slow start for him, given how much hype there was uh, for him coming, coming into this year, it's still been very much the Aaron Jones show in terms of effectiveness. Um, all right. So do you want to go first? Do you want to give your haiku? Yeah. I'll take that. You got to do it very calm in a very calming manner. Even if it is a negative spin, which hopefully it, it isn't, because I feel like we've been uh, we've been negative enough. Well, I'm sorry that I can't satiate that need for you. It's a, it's an interesting take on the haiku, but I'm gonna relax. I'm gonna take a deep breath, and actually unintentionally, it leads me into my haiku, which is R E L. A X. Fine, but it's the same ending. Year in and year out. Wow. So you start with the R E L A X and then just just crush us at the end. I mean, yeah, that 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 has basically been the mantra of this podcast is that whenever we get we sit down before the season and say all right, so what do you think of this season? It's always just pain. Pain, heartbreak, it's inevitable. It's just going to happen. Yeah, and I think the Packers had their get-right game, and they did what they were supposed to do, and everybody's just like, okay, they're fine. Just It was a, it was a throw the tape out first game of the season. They didn't come in prepared. But it does seem to be the same issues persisting over and over again, year in and year out, that don't seem to get truly corrected um or when they when you think they do it it, they're still void so i'm i'm predicting the same ending again this year already leading into week three (laughs) at least yeah wow that that really i don't know i don't know what to do with that uh other than probably just agree no i feel like i need to set my expectations and temper them lower so that I don't have the same miserable heartbreak that I did last January because I always talk and this will be the same thing I'll the season will churn along and they'll win four or five or six in a row and I'll talk myself into it and we'll be sitting there week two of the playoffs and I'm going to be like you know what I'm betting against the Packers and then it'll be five minutes before kickoff and I'm like $300 on the Packers. I talked myself into it and then I'll experience heartbreak once again. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I have a tendency to do uh, a similar thing. I, I actually like the hype train builds the more I like, I'll start slow. You know, I probably like, oh, okay, I'll take the Packers here. I'll take them there. You start winning bets on it too. You really start believing the hype. You're like, yeah, you know, and then all of a sudden you just, yeah. Um, Maybe maybe the maybe the answer is not to bet on the Packers in the playoffs. Um, that maybe could be the the strategy, and just try to squeeze every last ounce of juice you can out of them in the in the regular season. <laughs> I, but what is but what a sad reality to live within. Just give me just give me one year. Give me one more year with Rodgers, that weirdo. I still want to see him win. Yeah, I know. That's the that's the other thing is that like. <laughs> It's you can't help but root for him um, in in this situation, but at the same time, just the more he continues to open his mouth, 
He denies having any involvement, and I do kind of believe him in the uh, ayahuasca uh, touchdown celebration after Alan Lazard's <laughs> TD. Which good, great humor on the part of the Packers. Yeah, I didn't re- I didn't realize what it was in live time. I'm like, oh, these guys are just taking shots and passing out. And then I got on Twitter and I was like, ah, that's what that was. Yeah, and Rogers was in the middle of it, uh, not participating in it, but like I guess trying to do his own celebration i don't know what or i, th- I think i heard justice say that uh it was it might have been the i love gold thing which like if it is like really like i, I mean we got to move on from that too right like that's stale yeah move on um but anyway so yeah uh great humor on their part and honestly like rogers gives you so much material throughout the year especially doing the freaking show or whatever with mcafee it's like you could probably do some type of mocking celebration of them every week anyway all right back back in the uh in the in the spa uh for a haiku (sighs) a physical freak sometimes speed is all you need high hopes for watson so i say this because i i do think and this is a very weird thing to say the packers have not really had a player as fast (laughs) and gifted as Watson um, in a while. Like they had one of the best receivers I've ever seen play for the Packers in Devontae Adams. Yes. Like they've had, obviously everyone on the field is fast, but Watson's speed, just like the threat of him moving him in motion, actually letting him run the ball once or twice on little like gadget plays um, stretches a defense. It's like, he gives you something to think about. And that excites me because I can see him being a a valuable asset in a situation where the Packers are up against a team that they might be a little bit overmatched against. And like just the threat of Watson, him being on the field, using him in different sets could actually stretch things out a little bit. And I'm, you know, like he, they invested a lot of draft capital in him. He clearly has a really, really, really high ceiling. We have not seen anything close to that yet, but his speed, like just watching it on TV is like, it's very, very clear. Like, oh, this is that guy who could run a 4-3 flat that the Packers haven't had in like ages. Except for maybe like, I don't know. I mean, Jeff Janis was really fast or whatever. He's like a, a measurable freak. But he also wasn't like a legit talent the way that Watson is. So sometimes like just being fast and then figuring everything else out later can can work out. So I'm I'm on the Watson hype train now a little bit. And I think that I kind of feel like LaFleur is too, you know, I kind of feel like he's like really trying to find ways to just get Watson like on, on the radar of the defense, um, which I'm, I'm kind of pumped about because like he's going to have one game this year, you know, where he's just going to like ball out and maybe the only one like it, MVS had games like that, you know, um, and at the very least, uh, my expectations are higher for a long term, but like he can be an MVS. Yeah, I hope the ceiling's even higher. And I will say MVS could take the hat off the ceiling a little bit or take the hat off the defense a little bit as well um, and get behind some DBs. But it, it does seem like it's more of a physical specimen when you when you watch Watson run. And I'm glad you brought some some more positivity to the end of this conversation because I do feel the same way. And the, the issues that we see with him are not ones and it's it's catching the ball and it's not that's no news to us coming out of school throughout OTAs and throughout training camp like 
that was going to be the number one issue is like making sure he's not looking upfield before he catches the ball. But we've run into that with some of the best Packer wide receivers in their early years too, with Jordy and with Devonte, where you j- are just screaming at him to catch the ball. Um, hopefully, it's the same trajectory. If it's anywhere near the trajectory of those two guys, it's going to be amazing. Yeah, I mean, I mean strangely enough, uh, that's like possibly the most fixable asset of a of a, of a young receiver, which kind of seems like counterintuitive, but it 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 does seem like that's something that can certainly be fixed um, over time. Um, anyway, yeah, I think that's probably going to do it for us. Thanks for uh, pinch hitting here for Zach while he's uh, out uh, on some much-deserved uh, relaxation time. We'll hit the polka, and uh, we'll get out of here. I think we're both picking the bucks, but we'll be back for more optimism. It doesn't mean we're down on the team, I think, in the, in the near future, right? That's right, my friend. Happy to pinch hit anytime, Zach. All right. Um, at the Unpack Pod on Twitter. Uh, are you still on Twitter? I kind of, I'm like, not even really. I'm pretty inactive, but if you'd like to tweet at me and tell me what I did wrong, it's at Nick Bornheimer. I think I'll, uh, I'll probably send my, like, once every, you know, six-month Packer tweet sometime soon. Like, probably Sunday, because I'll definitely see myself getting drunk during that game. It's usually when uh, the, the tweets start falling. But until then, uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, Zach will be back next week, as will we. And uh, we'll talk to you then. Support for this show comes from Vanta. Dealing with loads of spreadsheets, juggling different tools, and having to do manual security checks, it can be a headache to keep up with today's compliance and security programs. Vanta is the trust management platform that wants to simplify things and bring all your trust-building efforts under one roof, making growth smoother for your whole organization. Vanta lets you automate up to 90% of compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more strengthen security posture, and reduce third-party risk. Get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to vanta.com slash vox. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash vox for $1,000 off Vanta.